Thank you for being here with us today. We had a great uh, service at 9.30. Thank you for joining us for our 11 o'clock service. Thank you for those joining us uh, online. I know we got a lot of uh, sickness uh, that's, uh, that's hit us. And so those watching online, thank you for joining us online. And thank you for staying home uh, while you're sick so you don't uh, spread that. I know it's, it's hard to stay healthy, right, with everybody wanting to wanting to just hate you, hate missing things, and I'm the same way, uh, but uh, you know, when our, our bodies need to just stay home and recover when we're sick, but man, thankful to be here today with each and every one of you. Uh, got to meet several guests. Thank you for being here with us today at Crosspoint. We are going to be in 2 Corinthians 9, and we're actually talking about money and giving. So you picked a great Sunday to visit our church, right? Because we talk about that so much, uh, so much here at Crosspoint. Uh, but no, what we're going to see here in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I think I said 9, we're in 2 Corinthians 8. Um, but what we're going to see is like that when, when Paul's talking about generosity and giving, it is the exact opposite of high pressure fearful, um, out of guilt giving. That's not, that's not what giving is. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that sometimes what people, their stereotype of the church is, oh, they're pressuring me for money. They only want me there for my money. But that's not what we see in the scripture. Uh, before we dive in to, uh, to 2 Corinthians 8, I have both good and bad news uh, to share with you today. So our friends, Mike and Vicki Beecraft, who've been here um, at Crosspoint for about a year and a half, God's actually opening up a door for them with helping a church that's being uh, started kind of in the, the Donahue area. Is that the actual uh, town, Donahue, Iowa, that's being uh, started there? And they've been able to kind of help with that already. And so while they're not going to be strangers to us, they'll still come. But the majority of, of weekends are going to be there with, with helping them. And so um, they, I asked if it was okay if I just share that with, with our church family because they've meant so much to us um, as a church here this last year and a half. And so it's always, it's always one of those things like, you know, in, in recent years, I'd like, you know, try to talk people out of stuff like that. But it's like, you know, look, if God's leading God's leading them, and he is, to be a part of that, then, you know, who am I to, to try to stop that? And so we, you know, we'll just pray that for God's direction and leading. Uh, they've already been able to influence and impact some people in that area. They live in that area, by the way, so it makes sense that they would be able to be, um, to be a part of that. And so we thank God for you guys. And again, this isn't goodbye, because hopefully we'll see you a lot. So, uh, but praise God for what he's doing there um, in in uh, that area of a, of a church that's, that's being, uh, being established. Uh, well, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And as I mentioned, a lot of times people have a stereotype in mind of when they think of, of a church wanting money or asking for money. And sometimes it's like a really negative context. Like, I haven't personally experienced this, but I've, I've heard from people that have had just really bad experiences when it comes to this, like I've heard of one instance where a church, like they split the congregation in two and they had like this contest of trying to raise funds. And, but it was like really like high pressure, like 
of, of raising these, these funds. And they split the congregation in two. And, and basically they said, we're going to have a, a contest. We're going to have a competition of which side, which half of the congregation can raise more money. And the losing side has to serve the other side like this steak dinner. And you don't get to eat any of it. You get to come and serve them. And it's just like really odd things. And like, you know, we, we hear things like that and we kind of cringe a little bit. Like no wonder, no wonder sometimes people have this stereotype of that's what churches want. They only want my money. Like I was, I was at a church and, and loved, I loved the church. It was one of the favorite churches that I was a part of. My wife and I went to in college, but like it was it was like a weekly thing where it was like this big emergency where they had to raise this amount of money. And it was like on the spot asking people like, oh, raise your hand if you'll, if you'll give this $100 and we need 30 people to give $100 and we can't leave. I mean, they didn't say that, but it was almost you felt like they're not going to like let the service out until they raise this amount of money. And, and again, love the church so much good, so much to be commended of that church. But it's like I kind of get it when people have this this thought or this picture in mind of, oh, the church just wants my money. And it's maybe out of maybe high pressure, the fear of man, or it's giving to try to impress other people. And so we kind of can see and understand when people maybe that aren't really churched or haven't or have been to church, but it's been, and they have this picture of the church just wants me there for my money. You kind of can understand some of those thoughts. But what we're going to look at today in 2 Corinthians, when Paul's talking about generosity and giving, it's the exact opposite of high pressure, forced, fearful giving. He's going to talk about things like giving out of grace, being generous out of a heart that has joy. He's going to, going to talk about that there was actually, he's going to give an example of churches they weren't like asked or pressured to give. They actually were begging Paul to take this gift to be able to help another church. And so when we look at grace giving in the scripture, it's anything but pressure and guilt enforced. It actually flows from a heart of gratitude as we're going to see by the work of grace that God's done in our own life, because God has blessed us, because God has given to us, so then we in turn are gracious and generous to those that we can be a blessing to. So let's dive in. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. He's like, so I want you to know, I want you to see the grace of God upon these churches in Macedonia. So Paul's not writing to the churches in Macedonia. He's writing to a church in Corinth, which is in like the Achaia region. But he's giving an example about a group of churches in the Macedonia region. So these churches are actually churches we read about in scripture, places like Philippi. You've probably heard of the book of Philippians, uh, places like Thessalonica, Paul writes letters to the church in Thessalonians. Uh, Paul makes a reference to the church at Berea. He had good things to say. They loved the scripture and they studied the scripture. So those would be some examples of churches in the Macedonia region. And so what Paul's going to do is he's going to use them as a good example 
saying, hey, church at Corinth, I'm collecting this money to help a church, the church in Jerusalem and the church in Macedonia. These guys are a great example. They, they gave, they were very generous towards that. Because see, what's happening is the church in Jerusalem is struggling. They were facing some persecution. They were facing uh, what, we, what we gather from the book of Acts, like a famine. So they, were, um, they fell on really hard times. So Paul's getting this collection together from other churches to be able to take to bless that church, to help that church in Jerusalem. And in fact, it almost seemed like Paul was like, guys, listen, we can be united now of helping the church in Jerusalem. Some of these other churches had heavy population of Gentile believers. And he's saying now, man, we can unite together to help the church in Jerusalem, which would be a vast majority of of Jewish believers like they have a need and we can come together we can be united and God's you know bless us in a way where we can help them and and by the way this is where we get uh, the principle of giving to missions other church plants whether in the United States whether it's around the world that they have needs and if God has blessed us in a way where we can be generous and help them. So this is where we get these principles. Well, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth and he's saying, look, I want you to consider this church, the churches in Macedonia. It says that they were in a great trial of affliction, but he says out of the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, they abounded unto riches of their liberality or of their generosity. He's saying for their power, I bear record, it was even beyond their power they were willing of themselves. So these churches in Macedonia, you wouldn't, have been, you wouldn't have been impressed with the amount of money that they were given probably. But what was impressive was that even though they didn't have a lot, they were willing to sacrifice and give. And so what we see is an important principle. When we live generously... It's not about comparing a certain dollar amount to giving as much or being as generous as someone else. It is being generous with what we have, being generous with how God's blessed us. And while giving should never be out of guilt or pressure or manipulation, there is an element when we live generously, we make sacrifices to be able to do that. Right? When you give to someone in need, well, there's plenty you could do with that money. There's plenty you could do with that for yourself. But no, that's why it's called sacrifice. And Paul's pointing out to the church at Corinth, like, hey, these churches in Macedonia, they didn't have a lot. You wouldn't be impressed with the amount of money that they were giving. But what was so amazing was they were sacrificing. They gave, he says, out of their, out of their poverty. He says, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. So here he's saying, they wanted to give. They were the ones wanting to give. It wasn't that we were like, you know, shaking them down, trying to get as much out of them as we could. No, he's saying, they actually were approaching us wanting to give and wanting to be generous. He says, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave of their own selves and un, unto the Lord, or to the Lord, and unto us by the will of God. So what we see here is like giving and generosity. It starts with our heart. 
I won't say a whole lot about this because next week we'll talk more on this. That ultimately, you know what God is interested in is our heart. Right? God, God has all the resources that he needs. God, God doesn't need our generosity, so to speak. But it's what God uses to bless others. And not only that, it's when we give and we give generously. It's an indication that God has done a work in our heart. To even make us want to be able to give to others. So it starts with us giving of ourselves. And he's saying, look, this example of these churches in the Macedonia region, they didn't have much, but they gave. They wanted to give. They weren't pressured. They weren't coerced. They wanted to be generous. And it, you know what it started with? They first gave of themselves. They were willing of themselves. It, it wasn't just, you know, writing a check to, to check off a box. It was, no, they, they, they truly gave because they they wanted to be involved, and they first gave of them themselves. And he says, insomuch we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and in utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. So Paul's saying, look, I want you to abound. I want you to grow in your faith in your, your, your knowledge, in your diligence, all these things. And he's saying, I want you to grow in your generosity as well. I want you to grow in this area. And I love how he uses the word grace when it comes to giving. That, that giving is out of a grace that God's done in our heart. God does a work of grace in our heart. And for, we look at, we're going to see in a moment, looking at the example of Christ. Right? How he graciously gave. It is of his grace that he gives to us freely, out of love. How he gives to us what we definitely don't deserve. Expecting nothing in, in return. And when God does that work of grace in our heart, well, that's how then we can be generous and we can give. So he says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was rich. Yet for your sakes, he became poor so that we through his poverty might be rich. Well, what's he talking about? So first he's using the example of the churches in Macedonia as an example of how they gave. Now he's using an example of Christ. He's saying, look, Christ came. He left the splendor, the glory of heaven, the riches in heaven. And yet Christ took on human flesh. He didn't cease being God, but yet he took on human flesh. Now, that's hard for us to wrap our minds around. If it's hard to understand, well, you're in good company because theologians for 2,000 years have had a hard time wrapping their head around, how does that work? How is he all God and all man? He's both. And, and then you get into things of like, well, there were times it seemed like Christ you know, he hungered and he thirsted and he suffered and he didn't know certain things. And well, how can he be God? And then, and then that be true as well. And it's just, it's hard to wrap our head around, but it seems like what, what, hap what is happening with the incarnation is that though Jesus never ceased being God, that he purposely didn't appeal to some of those godly attributes so he could know from experience what we go through. And saying, look, he left the riches of heaven and he lived a poor life. He didn't have much material, sp materially speaking on this earth. He, for our sakes, became poor. 
Why? So that we, through his grace, could become rich. Or we, through his poverty, might be rich. He says, herein, I give my advice for this. It is expedient for you, or it's necessary for you, who have begun before not only to also um, to, to be forward a year ago, now therefore perform the doing of it. So, so he's saying, look, God, put on your heart to give, right? And, and remember, we, make, we made um, a reference to this collection that Paul's talking about at the end of 1 Corinthians. And that was kind of a memorial, a, a memorable time because when we finished the book of 1 Corinthians, it was online only. It was the night we were supposed to get like the, the derecho type wins. Remember that? And so I asked John if he'd be, you know, gracious and brave enough to come and turn the camera on. Like, hey, we'll, we'll do it online until we lose power. And thank God we, we didn't lose power. But that, when we finished the book of 1 Corinthians, it was just an online online only. And, and, but we talked about this collection where, where Paul's collecting. And so we, we know this was on the heart of the Corinthians to give towards this need of this church, of the church in Jerusalem. And now Paul's saying, look, God's put that on your heart. You've wanted to do this. Look at the example of the churches in Macedonia. Look at the example of Christ. He's encouraging them follow through. Now, this isn't high pressure. You have to give. No, you say, look, you should give out of free will. You should give out of wanting to. You should give out of joy. But he's saying, but if God's begun that work in your heart to do this and to be generous towards the church in Jerusalem, follow through with it. Continue on with it. So he says, for, for, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to he hath not. So again, he's talking about generosity. He's talking about giving. He's our generosity, generosity should flow out of what God's given to us, right? We're not comparing to someone else. No, it's out of God, how God has given to you. Like, like maybe God's put you in a position right now where you can be extremely generous to those in need because God's enabled you to do that. Now, either way, we should be generous. Like maybe you don't have very much and maybe Maybe your generosity is what others would look at as something really insignificant. But here's the thing, it's not insignificant. Because it's, it's to be generous with what God has given to us. That's what he's saying. Look, be generous and give. Have a heart of generosity as God is, has prospered you. It's according to what you have, not what you don't have. Like, like don't stress out if you can't be generous and, and, and write a check for five grand. Well, you don't have it, so don't stress out about it. Yeah, but, but look, but be generous with what you have is what I think the point that he's making. He says, for I mean not that other men be eased and you burden. He's like, I'm not trying to, you know, just make it easy on the church of Jerusalem and you to have this great burden. But he's saying, no, but they, they actually have a legitimate need. They're going through a lot. They're, they've got a famine going on. They've got persecution. It's disrupting a lot of things going on. He's like, and you, you have been blessed. So I'm not trying to put a burden on you. He said, but I'm wanting you to be able to help them. And he says, but by inequality that now at this time, your abundance may be a supply for their want. He's like, so your abundance and your blessing can be a way that God meets this this desperate need that they have. 
And he says <clears throat> that there may be equality. He says, as, 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 as it is written, he had gathered much. In verse 15, he that had gathered much had nothing over. And he that gather, gathered little had no lack. So this is a, a quotation from in Exodus where Israel was wandering in the wilderness and God was providing for them. And you've heard how that, that God provided uh, manna uh, from heaven. And so this manna from heaven, this bread, God miraculously provided for Israel. And yet there were those that tried to gather more than what they needed. And what happened? It wasn't any good when they woke up. And, and so the point here. Is not, look, this is not saying don't save, right? Because we look at all of Scripture, we let all of Scripture speak, and we look at a lot of principles that teach us about how we should save and invest and be wise with our finances so that we can be generous, right? So this isn't Paul saying don't save. It's not that, oh, you save money, that's evil. No, he's saying, look, don't hoard the things God gives you. God's going to provide for what you need. So live generously. Live generously and don't become selfish and, and hoard when it comes to money. He says, but thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For, he, for indeed, he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went to you. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout the churches. He doesn't mean we also sent with Titus someone else. We don't know who that person is. There's speculation of who it might be. We don't know. He doesn't name him. Just he's sending someone with Titus. He says, and not only that, but who also was chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is administered us uh, by, uh, by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance, which is administered by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we've oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you, where, whether any do inquire of Titus, he's my partner and fellow helper concerning you or our brethren be inquired of. They are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Wherefore show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. So now Paul's saying, look, okay, Titus is going to be involved with collecting this and I'm sending with him someone else, another brother. So he's like, look, it's, Paul seemed to hear, it seemed like, Paul was really, really concerned about making sure they had confidence in the handling of this. He said, we need to be honest. We need to do this in a way that there's integrity. And so he said, why? He said, well, first of all, first and foremost, we want to do things right and do things with integrity and do things that are honest in the sight of God. But he said, also, it's important that we're honest in the sight of men. So what we see here, it seems like he's saying, look, I'm not just going to collect this and then you take my word for it. It's getting where it should go. No, he's like, there's going to be other people involved. There's Titus. 
There's someone else, another brother that, that, that's involved. There's multiple people. Why? He's like, we want to be above board with how we handle this. And this is a tremendous principle, I think, for how even as churches, different organizations should, should look and view finances, right? There should be high accountability. There should be transparency. Why? Because we want to do things, we want to do things with integrity. And we want to provide uh, the trust to where people can know and have confidence that when we say this money is going for you know, this need and missions or this, we want people to have confidence that it is indeed doing that. Hopefully you haven't had the, the horrible um, experience of, going, uh, of being a part of a church where, where finances were handled just horribly, where there was no trust and no accountability, because that can happen. Here Paul's saying, no, we want to we be honest. We want to do things with integrity. And that's why he's saying, he's not just saying, give it to me and I'll make sure it gets there with no accountability. Seems like what he's saying is it's important that we have those layers of accountability for to provide things honest, not only in the sight of God, but also in the sight of men. So chapter 9 kind of continues these same things, and we're going to look at chapter 9 next week. But I want to just give us nine principles, and I'll go through them really quickly, right? But I want to give you nine principles of generosity that we see here from chapter 8. Now, some of these things we'll emphasize more next week, but it might seem like we're going through them quickly. But as we conclude today, I want us to look at nine principles of generosity that we read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Number one is this generosity is a result of God's grace in our life. That our generosity, our giving, should flow out of God's grace in our life. That, hey, God's the one that's been gracious to us. God's the one that's provided for us. And it's God's work in our heart that makes us even want to be generous. It's God's work in our heart that makes us want to meet needs that God has enabled us to meet. And so again, we see this is the opposite of guilt and fear and manipulation and, and high pressure. This is a, a result of God's grace in our life. Secondly, generosity isn't about equal giving with someone else. It's about sacrificing in our own life, right? Because he says, look, the, the example that he gives, how that the churches in Macedonia, they gave out of deep poverty. Right? It's not about a certain amount. It's not about comparing of, oh, I give more than so-and-so. Or if I give this certain amount, they're going to you know, put my name on a plaque. And I'm not saying that organizations that do that, they're, they're, there's not a place for that. I'm just saying as we give generously, it shouldn't be out of comparing ourselves with others. It should be out of what God's enabled us to give. What sacrifice are we making? Right? And so when you, you've heard the phrase, it's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. Well, that's where we get that. It's biblical, right? It's not about comparing to someone else. It's about sacrificing what God allows us to do. Because he's saying, look, these churches in Macedonia, they didn't have a lot. I mean, their standard of living would be considered poverty. But they were still willing to give. They were still willing to give. Thirdly, Generosity starts when you have a little, not when you have a lot. See, there's this great myth 
And we all, all have probably been guilty of falling for it. It's like, well, I would be generous. I will be generous when. I'll be generous and I'll be giving whenever a certain dollar amount or certain salary or certain, certain promotion. But the reality is this. Like we see this church, they gave even when they didn't have a whole lot. And generosity should flow from our heart. And that's why, again, we're not comparing ourselves with someone else. But the question is, are we generous with what we have? Because if we're not generous with what we have now, we're probably not going to be generous later. I was listening to a, a podcast just a couple of weeks ago, and it's actually a, a Christian businessman. And he's been super successful, a millionaire in, in real estate. And, but, but he said this, and he was, talking about, he was talking about being generous and giving. He said, you know what? It's just as hard for me to give now and to tithe now than when I had hardly anything. And you know what? Like, I hear that like, yeah, right. Come on, man. You're a millionaire. But, but no, it, it, it's true. Like, we need to be generous in how we give, even if maybe we don't feel like we have much. Be generous. Be giving. Be a giving person. And it starts when we don't have a lot. It starts with where we're at right now. But be that generous person. Be that giving person as you're able, as God allows you to. Fourthly, we see this. Generosity produces joy. Generosity produces joy. He talks about, again, these churches in the Macedonia region who were poor, didn't have much. He said that they gave, uh, they were in a great trial of affliction. But he says the abundance of their joy and out of their deep poverty, it says, that they were liberal or they were generous with their money. They were generous. But you know what? When you give, it produces joy. Someone shared with me after the first service. They said, you know what? That is exactly right. They said, I did that this week. It's like, I just felt impressed. To, 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 uh, they were at a restaurant. They said, I felt impressed to pay for someone's meal that I didn't even know. And she said, you know what? It was amazing. I felt so joyful. After that, now they didn't know we were on Second Corinthians eight. We we're going to be talking about this, but you know what? It's true, though. It's true. Now, that's not saying we can always do those kind of things, but but when God when God enables us and God impresses on our heart to be generous, don't ignore that. And you know, you'll find that generous people, giving people, typically they have more joy. Why? Because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So when we live generously, you know what? It, it, it should make us more joyful. Now, that's not to say that sometimes it's not hard, right? Like, because it's, there's an element of sacrifice to it. But generous people typically have more joy. Why? Because generosity produces joy. Next, generosity is in proportion of what God gives to you. Verse 12, we talked about that. It's according to what we have, not what we have, not what we don't have. So look. If God's put you in a position where you can be really, really generous and really giving, then do it. Do it. Like, and I have to interject here. Like this church, Crosspoint, is one of the most generous churches that I've ever been a part of. And I kind of hesitate because I don't want it to be like where we're patting ourselves on the back, you know, telling ourselves like, you know, we've done so much. And, and, and I think there's a danger. We don't want to be arrogant or prideful or think that we've, that we, you know, have, have arrived or anything. 
But our church has done so much. Just a, a, being a church of six years old, of just a, you know, starting out with just a handful of people. But you know what? Even when we were just renting space, even when we just had a few people, you know what? Our church was still generous in that time. And as God has given to us more, as God has prospered us more, we've tried to continue doing that. So I say that to say, I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for your generosity because we're able to take that and use that to bless a lot of missionaries and bless a lot of people in our own community and, and to bless those in need. And so I say all that to say, I, wanna, I don't want this message to come across as, hey, we need to start doing this. No, we need to keep doing this. Keep doing this. Keep living like this. Be generous people. And you guys are. We as a church are generous. And I thank you guys for that. But generosity is in proportion to what God gives you. Generosity, or God takes our, number next, gener, God takes our generosity to go way beyond what we're capable of. Because yes, it's according as God's blessed us, but then he said, look, that they gave themselves and, and it was they gave beyond their power. So what the saying is, look, God can take even what we might think of as a little, but God can take that and multiply that. God can take that and impact his kingdom in a great way. So don't underestimate the power of being generous. Don't underestimate the power of how God can do that. That example that that, that person told me about, they paid for someone's meal. Like, yes, they gave out of what they had, but man, there's no telling how God will use that. Who knows what that person was going through at that time? Who knows the struggles they were? Who knows how God is going to use that? So when we live generously, it goes way beyond what we're capable of accomplishing. God can accomplish far more. Next, generosity is, generosity is something we should want to do, not something we're coerced and forced to do. Again, back to verse 4. The, the churches in Macedonia, they were coming to Paul saying, hey, we want to give. We're imploring and, and basically begging you to let us give and be a part of helping in this need. And that's how giving should be. Again, I'm not saying that it's always easy, and I'm not saying that there's not an element of sacrifice when we live generously. But I am saying this, like, it shouldn't be coerced and forced, right? Like, have you ever felt coerced or pressured into doing something that you didn't want to do? Like, have you ever bought a car? Have you ever sat through one of those uh, timeshare, you know what I'm talking about, the time... The timeshare presentations of, they offer you like, you know, $100 or like a, a free night stay. And all you got to do is sit in this presentation for an hour. It is like, whoa, four hours later and you feel like just really tense and they're pressuring you and they're not taking no for an answer. Well, well look, as we give, as we live generously, it shouldn't be like in that way. It should be out of a willing heart. We're not tricked. We're not coerced. We're not pressured. We're not doing it to be recognized by someone else in the church or to have our name, you know, uh, put on, on some plaque and engraved. No, it, it should be we, we want to do this. And that's what it seems like Paul's saying about this is how we should give. This is how we should live generously by a heart that wants to, not something we're forced to do. Next, generosity can be a way we demonstrate love. He says, look, this is the proof of, 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 of the love. Not the only way, but it can be a way that we can demonstrate our love because we're willing to sacrifice for someone. 
we're willing to give towards a need. How can we show, how can we show love towards brothers and sisters in the Lord? Well, if they have a need and God enables us to meet that need. How can we show love to people maybe that don't know the Lord, that are, that are far from God, by our generosity? That can be a way that can demonstrate the love that we show for someone. That's why, that's why, and I said this jokingly, but really it's in all seriousness. Like, you know, don't, don't go eat out at a restaurant and leave like one of our Crosspoint, in, our Crosspoint invite cards and then don't, you know, tip your, your waiter or your waitress, right? That's a bad testimony. No, be generous as God enables you to be. Why? Well, because generosity, it seems like here, what, what Paul's saying is, look, this can be a way you demonstrate your love by, by being generous, by giving. And then in closing, generosity helps us overcome selfishness. Verse 15, he says, again, he's quoting back to Exodus. He's like, don't, don't just hoard. Again, nothing wrong with saving. Save, be wise, learn to do, invest, invest well. Talk to smart people who know how to do all that, right? There's nothing wrong with that because that will hopefully enable us to be more generous later. Amen? But don't view our possessions as just hoarding. What can I keep? What can I get? Be generous as God blesses you. And you know what generosity does? It helps us overcome selfishness. And, and we all struggle with selfishness, don't we? But, but being generous, being generous with maybe money or time or different talents God's given you, when we're generous with that, when we're giving people, it helps us overcome selfishness that we all struggle with. We'll continue this next week because chapter 9 kind of continues that that same thought and Paul's leading all the way up to saying, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Like, I mean, you want to look at a gift, you want to look at generosity. Man, Christ came. He died for our sins. He left the riches and splendor of heaven. He owed us nothing. We had nothing we could offer, nothing to repay. But man, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. That he came to die for our sins. He came to live the righteous life we couldn't. And the blood he shed on the cross should have been us. But he demonstrated. God demonstrated his love. How? By his giving and generosity of giving himself for us.